Welcome to another edition of the It's Cavalier podcast. As always, it's your boy, Mac. Joining me today is my friend and co-host, Corey Walsh of Fear the Sword. Corey, my brother, what's going on? Not much. Just enjoying our uh, revitalization of our bench <laughs> in a game against Charlotte, which I would hope would have been the case. So it's nice to see the Cavs play up to the level we think they're capable of. It certainly is. I mean, coming off that last game, I, many fans were scared, especially hearing the news that Donovan Mitchell would not be sitting up, already being down, Jared Allen. But this was a good old-fashioned ass-whooping. I mean, uh, 120 to 104, and it actually felt a lot uh, further than that. It felt like the Cavs were up big time uh, throughout most of it. And um, I'm just... I'm astounded at the difference between these two games, especially without Donovan. I mean, it, it felt honestly like we needed every single point Don gave us in that uh, that last victory against Charlotte. But for them to come out tonight like this and have a couple of different players in particular take over, it was just great, man. Um, they were an equal opportunity score tonight. They, they really felt like that. I don't know if that's the same opinion that you have, but it just kind of felt like the ball was moving around tonight. Um, I'm not going to put too much stock into it just because it, again, it is Charlotte. It is, a t- it is a game that you are expected to win if you're the Cavs and you have to take advantage of these because we both know, man, the Cavs have definitely dropped the ball in, in regards to some of these easier games. <laughs> yeah. as, uh, as is nature in the NBA for other teams to do. So it's nothing to score. I mean, the Celtics two days ago just lost to the Rockets who are really <laughs> pining to get in the one Binyama sweepstakes. So it happens. Oh my gosh. Uh, it does. It's just, it, like you said, it's the nature of the game, man. It's, it, it happens. It's the NBA and teams who are favorite to win over lesser opponents drop them all the time. I'm just thankful that the Cavs haven't done that in back-to-back games when, when we're still trying to climb up to that three seed. And I think they said that we're still three games behind philly and that was it the loss column yeah yeah so there's still an opportunity for this team to climb up to that three seed um prior to tonight's game i know a lot of people felt like man just play mitchell we're not going to beat philly anyway uh just 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 play mitchell and get the victory at charlotte but i'm really really glad he got the rest tonight because i i i felt that they were going to be able to take care of business and they did and a big part of that was all is it was three players scoring at least 20 or more points, five getting into double figures. Um, Evan Mobley in particular feasted on the Hornets bigs. When that guy is motivated, bro, he is nearly unstoppable inside. He scored 26 big points tonight and continues to show just why the Cavs think he'll be the best player in the near future. So with that being said, what did you think of his performance in particular tonight? Mobley was basically in the first half was the player who really stood out from the Cavs perspective. I mean, he basically made Nick Richards want to just go back to the bench and just never seem to get back up because that that, dude was headhunting. It it seemed like a departure from the last game, too, because Richards was really giving Mobley fits uh, from a physicality standpoint. Yeah, it just feels like Mobley, when he can turn that gear on, to be an ag- more aggressive player in the paint, it's a completely different player. I feel like we're more used to him being used to being the tertiary or sometimes even the fourth option, depending on how the game flow is going. But I think he 
is capable of understanding with no play from Donovan Mitchell that DG is more of a facilitating mindset. So he's very willing to sh- like give Mobley the spotlight. And Mobley, I think, as the season has progressed, has definitely been more apt to wanting to be that type of focal point for the offense. And you really saw that in the second quarter in particular. I mean, it just felt like there was a ton of situations where they just got Mobley on Richards, created spacing, and let Mobley just go to work in the post. Mobley likes to put his shoulder down and bang with some bigs, but it just feels like more times than not, he isn't physically apt to match what he mentally wants to do. But (laughs) with a guy like Richards, they they have similar builds, and Mobley's definitely – has quicker feet than Richards. Richards is like one of those like throwback centers where he's just stout, tall, and can meet you at the rim. But if you just do one move to get past him, like Mobley was consistently doing, then it's pretty easy. I mean, in the words of AC, he got uh, Richards catching the bird a few times. So it's a good, it was a great night for Mobley overall. You'd love to see it. And I mean, 10 and 16 from the field, pretty efficient night. No three attempts, which uh, a lot of people have really, I don't get it. I love, like, if, if if he has the shot open and he's willing to take it, I love it. No matter if he makes or misses it, I just want him to be able to add that to his, uh, to his ar- arsenal. But on a night where he doesn't take any attempts at all, he goes 10 and 16 from the field. All of that work almost coming in the uh, in the paint and even some mid-range pull-ups. <laughs> uh, he's getting more and more comfortable doing that. And I just – this guy, if he ever figures out that perimeter shoot, uh, that perimeter shot, he's, he, he will be unstoppable. It's just one of those things where a guy in his second season just slowly but surely is just picking up and adding more and more to his game. And – uh, to your point about him, you know, kind of stepping up with the absence of Mitchell and being that kind of second option. And honestly, at times it felt like he was the number one. Uh, I would say he probably was for the whole game. Yeah. It just felt like the offense was kind of building around him because DG, like I said before, it doesn't seem like he Facilitator. really. He, his game fits so naturally into whatever offense the Cavs run that it doesn't feel like they need to curate anything for him. It will just happen naturally. But with Mo- players like Mobley and Mitchell, I feel like they need the ball in their hands in order to create something like the off-ball opportunities for the both of them don't aren't as easy to generate points from as it is for Darius. Well, yeah, it's just the, the nature of how the two play. As a big who can't necessarily operate as a catch-and-shoot option, Mobley has to have the ball in his hands in order to be most effective. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, on the other hand, he can shoot. He can shoot the hell out of the ball. I mean, he he has literally set the record for the Cavs' single-season threes made. Um, he can shoot, but he's also more effective with the ball in his hands. So DG, uh, you know, if he can kind of step aside, and I know that's what a lot of people eventually would like him to do in regards to this trio, is for him to be the third option. Uh, it's it's going to be one of the one of the things to keep an eye on in the next few seasons is what kind of transition will Darius Garland and Evan Mobley make in terms of like options? And you could throw Donovan, uh, Donovan in there if you'd like to as well, because I think right now I'm not going to mince words here. I just did this whole top five most important Cavs uh, rankings and I had Mitchell listed number one, but put the caveat for now because I believe that is the case. And uh, Mitchell is not very far ahead of, uh, of Evan Mobley in in that regard, 
Mobley should and could end up being the Cavs' most important and best player. Uh, but those those things are two different things right now. So for both of those two, Mobley is going to have to learn how to continue to be consistently aggressive, which you saw that tonight from him. I absolutely loved it. But when Donovan comes back, my, my only qualm is does that mindset continue? Uh, do you think Mobley is going to continuously look to attack the basket when the opportunities are not going to be as flush as they are like they were tonight? I think it really is matchup dependent, like it's kind of been for the set since the All Star break, or yeah, around that time is when I feel like Mobley's kind of really turned it on. And with the absence of Allen for at least the foreseeable future, no pun intended, <laughs> uh, then I think that will also allow Mobley to kind of flourish more, especially when we're running these shorter lineups and then having Mobley just basically play the center position for us. I mean, that gives Mobley his best chance. He matches up better against centers than he does power forwards because he's just so quick on his feet. He can shoot right over him. That's, That's the real thing. Yeah. I mean, overall, Mobley, I think... As he's just taken a, like, I feel for the first three months of the season, Mobley was kind of in the passenger seat along for the ride. Not in a way where he wasn't a participant in the wins, but there was, like, a lot of discussion going on. Like, is Mobley just, he's not just taking a step back. He's just not taking a step forward from last season. It seems like he's kind of complacent. And then it just is like something clicked with Mobley and his, his aggression just went way up. And I think we're just seeing a really expedited growth within such a short period of time. Mobley season can probably be split into two and you would notice a drastic difference in his attempts and his like overall impact on games. Certainly. I mean, um, 17.7 points, averaging 17.7 points since the new year started. That's big time uh, as a third option, mostly. So you, you've continued to see that trend upwards uh, as the season comes to a close. I think you're going to continue to see him be more and more aggressive. But I just, I, I just want him to be able to do that more and more consistently when Donovan is there, when Jared is there. Uh, but again, that all does come down to opportunities. But Mobley was not the only Cavalier who balled out tonight. <laughs> uh, another Cavalier who, who had himself a night was Karis LeVert. And Corey, the whole bunch of Cavs Twitter knows exactly how I feel about Levert, so I'm not going to go on a rant here, like uh, <laughs> like I really want to. But no, dude, I'm just so. going to say this: <laughs> this man is the Cavs' fifth most important player right now, and he will have to play a huge role in the postseason if the Cavs want to make it anywhere, especially with this bench. Yeah, 22, four, and seven tonight. And honestly, this is the type of play that you and I both know he's capable of, which is why we support him on this podcast. Um, what impressed you the most about Levert tonight? I would say the shot making for Levert was what stood out to me the most. I've been saying all season that I think Karis Levert's vision is very underrated and it was definitely on display tonight. His defense has looked really good for the past month or so. And he's a taller guard, so he's able to get rebounds over, I'd say like 40% of the league with ease. And he's just so athletic. There's a lot to like. He has so much length, but The major gripe Cavs fans have definitely had with him recently is that his shot just simply isn't falling. He's been like ice cold from everywhere between the glass, mid-range, the elbow, and then even three-pointers, which have been his like – he's been a league average at best from three, which for him is decent, but overall is not great. 
he's like league average from the corner, but he is below league average from everywhere else beyond the arc too. So it was really nice to see him shoot and shoot with confidence. We're seeing this Karis Levert plays drastically different shooting wise in the starting lineup versus off the bench, which is really depressing, honestly, because they moved Levert to the bench for the sole reason that he could take the scoring he displays in the starting lineup and carry it over. So our bench has some punch to it. But as we saw this, like it's a nice idea on paper, but it seems like Karras needs more volume in his shot than anything else to get him going. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely, there's definitely a, a correlation. I'll, I'll put it that way. There's definitely a correlation in between the way that he plays as a starter versus the way he plays as a, off the bench. And a lot of that has to do with one to two things. Is Donovan Mitchell playing? Is Darius Garland playing? Are one of them out? Is is uh, Levert acting as the team starting one or two? Or is he acting as the team starting three, as he did at the beginning of the season, playing much, much more of an off-ball role? Um in terms of the starting lineup, we know just how good Levert can be uh, when given the opportunities to facilitate, when given the opportunities to be an off-ball shooter, um, and not necessarily having to to be forced off-ball all the time. He can be very effective, as he was tonight. Uh, hit four or five from deep tonight in the starting lineup as the uh, as the two. Now, off the bench is, like you said, man, that's where a lot of the problems arise because you just don't know which version of Levert you're going to get. Off the bench this season in 37 games, Levert's giving you nine, three, and three. And is that good enough? And I think a lot of people would probably say no. But the caveat that I'm going to put in that is, one, this man has had so much transition in regards to his role. His role has shifted so much this season, and he's done nothing but just accept what the Cavs coaching staff has put his way. He's bought in defensively. Even when he's going through these shooting slumps, he's finding other ways to contribute. And now he's he's actually being a very productive player, uh, you know, not factoring in whether he starts or whether he comes off the bench. In this man's last seven games, he's actually given the Cavs 12.6 points, 4.3 rebounds, and 3.7 assists. And the best part about that is the shooting percentages, which have been by far the biggest complaint of all fans. This man over that seven game stretch is completing 45.7% of his field goals. That's pretty decent. That's pretty good. Even better than that, 46.9% from range. This, this, all this from a player who's not necessarily known as a three point marksman is completed a, a, a very high number of his shot attempts over that that period of time and as we draw nearer and nearer to the postseason this is the type of overt that the Cavs are going to need and this is frankly why they kept him uh in my opinion uh when you're looking at the amount of minutes this guy gets in, in comparison to uh somebody like a, a Dean Wade or a Ricky Rubio do you think that they should still be trotting him out there near 30 minutes if he's not starting uh, yeah, I think Karis Levert is our most valuable player off the bench. And it sounds weird to say when you go over the shooting splits, but he's our most consistent bench player outside mm-hmm. of one player who will be named at a later time and date. Uh, but uh, yeah, Karis definitely is going to be 
pretty crucial to the Cavs playoff success. I have no doubt that the starting five will do a good job in the postseason. There's a ton of stats that you can look over and see that the Cavs just are absolutely dominant with the starting five on the floor. It's the question all season is who's going to be on this bench. That's going to contribute on a night to night basis. And we really didn't have any true answer and I still feel like even despite tonight, I'm not using a one game sample size against a crappy Hornets team to be like, the bench problems have been solved. <laughs> oh, yes, they have, Corey. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but the, that being said, the play of Karis over the past week or so has been very positive. And I, I feel pretty confident in him as a player that will impact the game, even if his shot's not falling, just because I've seen enough in other facets of his game as the season's gone along to the point where I'm like, I went from the beginning of the season saying, I really hope that I don't think Karis LeVert's going to be on this team next year to, I, I really will be in the first person in line, hoping that that pen gets put to paper. And I want to be there for the photo op on the Cavs Twitter page. I think we all do. I feel like we deserve to be there as much as we've wrote for him. Uh, uh, you know, just there's always a player or two during the course of a Cavs season where you just want them to succeed for me. And I'm assuming for you as well, it's cares um, all the shit that he's had to go through in regards to his role, all the shit talk he's had to endure from fans and whatnot. You just want the guy to be able to succeed. So when he has a good game like this, you're damn right. We're going to talk about it. But again, just like with Mobley, these guys were not the only to put on a big time performance tonight. And you all know who I'm, what name I'm about to suggest here. And that is Sam Merrill. Always throwing a wrench in it, man. Always throwing a wrench in it. I, I was legitimately uh, legitimately glad to see Sam Merrill tonight, though, and we'll, we'll talk about him in a minute. But, no. <laughs> the other white man we're talking about is Jetty Osmond. Wow. Jetty Osmond. <laughs> There's Dylan Windler, too, Mac. Jesus. We'll get there. We'll get there. You said the other. <laughs> <laughs> and Rolo. <laughs> uh, Jetty Osmond. Jetty Osmond did what he does. I just this just something about Jetty, man. 24 points off the bench, six of ten from deep. What is the over-under that after tonight's game, we just don't see Jetty for a long time? What's the over under? Uh pretty high. I would say Jetty, even though I guarantee you Jetty's gonna win the junkyard dog chain award, it's gonna go to freaking he Jenny uh, JB's gonna be like, oh, Jenny, you know that was a really good game you had there, that, and uh, thank you for stepping in Donovan's absence. That was huge. Jenny will be like, oh, nice. JB really appreciates me. And the next game, he'll be like, so what am I taking off these sweats and getting on getting some action? And JB will call Danny Green's number to watch him jog around the court, guaranteed. <laughs> in all actuality, just to be a little bit serious here, this is like the type of performance that Cavs fans like want out of Jetty because we know when he gets the minutes uh, on a consistent basis that he can actually be a pretty decent role player. And that's exactly what he was tonight, those 24 big points off the bench. Realistically speaking, though, is this when you're factoring in a playoff rotation? I know we've talked about this, I feel like just last episode, but when after a performance like tonight, does that entice you a little bit on kind of bumping him just a little bit further up in regards to your rotation? 
I mean, in an ideal world, I would rather be playing Jetty Osmond minutes than Lamar Stevens, which I feel like at this time and place sounds like blasphemy to most Cavs fans <laughs> who are living and dying on every breath Lamar has. But he had a pretty good game tonight, 11 points. Uh, I still feel like in a playoff situation, Jetty Osmond provides more value in more situations than Lamar will because this Cavs offense is the, is the problem I foresee in playoff series as teams can prepare on how to stop Darius and Donovan from getting their shots off, which in most cases, when the Cavs play a playoff caliber opponent, if the two of them are struggling or one of the two is struggling, it just seems like everyone needs to turn to each other and be like, so who's going to take these shot attempts because they're locking down Darius or they're locking down Donovan. And it usually is a question that goes unanswered. But Jetty Osmond's always been that player who's willing to throw his hat in the ring and be like, guys, I'll throw up like 12 three-pointers a game if you want me to. Some of those were crazy too like because a lot of them were with time expired or last-second shots. It was just fun stuff to watch. Yeah, Jetty really gets it. Uh, When he gets it going, it's kind of like NBA Jam where you can just release it at any point in the shot meter. And as long as he's on fire, it's going in. Because Jetty, like you said, was throwing up some hucks there to end uh, the quarter, to uh, just running across the three-point top of the three-point line and then just decides to throw it up. And just I could tell if that shot didn't go in, JV was still going to, despite being up 20, have like an aneurysm or something because – he has a thing for he has a thing against Jetty, which I would love for like the autobiography of JB Bickerstaff to come out like ten years from now and a whole chapter be the Jetty epilogue or something where he just goes into like that Jetty Osmond and him just have some personal beef that has been unshared because otherwise I feel like there's it's just a Ron no Harper reason. situation. <laughs> yeah, it's a Derek Fisher and uh, oh god, is it Matt Barnes? Yeah, Matt Barnes. Matt Barnes yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank God you saved me from that. I was like halfway <laughs> into that analogy. I'm like, oh my God, I need to abort, but I can't just do it. Max, we have to edit this out. <laughs> nah, man. It's a love-hate relationship. I think we all feel that I think way. Jenny's the love. <laughs> JB's, JB's the hate. The hate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think Jenny Osmond is personally capable of hatred towards any human being. He just seems like one of the most down-to-earth dudes. I'm sure he's a cool dude in real life. I just wish he was more consistent. It's like the same complaint that we all have for, uh, you know, Karis and most of this other bench. But it was good to see him out there throwing up shots and making them. Um, You need that type of play from Jetty in order to ensure that this bench is productive. Um, Obviously, you're not going to get that on a night-to-night basis because you just don't know what the bench is going to give you. Uh, But with that being the case, you know, they're – there were good performances up and down this lineup tonight. Even some of the guys who didn't put up a whole bunch of points. Um, Isaac Okoro, despite scoring just three points and grabbing three rebounds, played 36 pretty uh, pretty spectacular minutes defensively, in my opinion. Uh, he was able to, to do work on that end. And I know a lot of people just, is it me? Or when Isaac doesn't have a high-scoring game, does he still play a ton of minutes? Does it seem that way to you? I think it really just depends on if the offense is clicking regardless. But I think when the offense really is stalling and Isaac's struggling, that's when I feel like the cord gets yanked for Isaac's minutes. But in this case, like 
we were holding Charlotte defensively. We were on a roll offensively. It wasn't like a case of the invisible man with Isaac on the floor. I just mm-hmm. feel like the ball didn't, we didn't need to three shots. I don't think he needed to take any. I didn't feel like watching that he was giving up opportunities that he should have take took. But um, yeah, no, I, 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 I understand where you're coming from. I mean, he, especially when you just look and you're like, man, 36 minutes. And then you're like, <laughs> could I come up with like six plays that stood out in my head? Like, hey, the you Isaac made the only team. triple you took. Hey, you know, that's that matches up with his shot attempts a game from the arc. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that's going to help the percentages. Yeah. Where everyone's like, oh, he's shooting 46% on two attempts. <laughs> and you're like, what? What was that last part? Nothing. 46%. 46%. I'm not a hater. Matt. <laughs> I just can't call someone a three and D wing when they only take two threes. <laughs> well, that makes one of us. <laughs> Max, like I have six YouTube videos coming out about how Isaac's two attempts a game are revolutionizing the Cavs' offense. Revolutionary, man! Revolutionary. Uh, no, nights like night show you just why. Like again, as in that video I just put out, I did not even list for those of you who probably haven't watched it yet. I didn't even list him in the top five most important players because I feel like for him, he is a very he's a role player. He's a high-end role player right now, and I'm okay saying that. Even picked fifth overall, yes, you can still get role players at that slot, especially in a very weird draft. Um, Isaac's job is to come in and play defense, and whatever opportunities that he gets, just take them. Tonight's a perfect opportunity uh, to to see that. Three attempts, one of three from the field. Not going to look great on paper, but when you look at the, the good old eye test, what he does defensively, Guys invaluable. Um, other players off the bench, notably that uh, Corey already brought up. Sam Merrill. There was a Sam Merrill sighting tonight, and that goes right in line with the big news of today. That it's that Sam Merrill has signed a multi-year contract with the Cavs, and the deal is expected to be the same type of deal that Lamar Stevens and Dean Wade got. So, with that being the case, um, do you think? that Sam Merrill is a player that the Cavs are going to give an opportunity to um, come next season? I would say definitely more. The way I was reading about this contract is it's a contract for like more future seasons than mm-hmm. this season. It's not guaranteed. Yeah, I feel like it kind of signals that they feel the roster is fine the way it is because that contract for Merrill easily could have just been like a Serge Ibaka type contract where they bring a veteran in to shore up, break glass in case of emergency option come postseason time. But I feel like with the way the Cavs have been playing in their recent stretch of games, I think JB and Kobe Altman definitely feel pretty comfortable with the way things are. So I don't expect Merrill to get a lot of tread this season, which may be a good thing for him because he gets to be more accustomed to NBA practices and whatnot and getting time to gel with this team versus just being thrown onto the court with a bunch of players he's never played with outside of the case that Isaiah Mobley and Dylan Windler are playing as his G League. Dylan pay- Windler. <laughs> Dylan Windler actually stepped court on a bas- uh, step foot on a basketball court. <laughs> Jeez Louise. And he scored his first two points of the season. <laughs> Good for you, Dylan. And in your first minutes of the season, too. God, what a spectacular time for you. My jersey is just 
gaining value in every minute that you're on the floor. You don't mean that, Dylan. You about to ship that jersey out faster than the Cavs might ship you out this offseason. No, nah, I have to keep it. It's the it's the Whammer jerseys. I mean, come on. <laughs> it's like one of the best ones, ones we've had. Those are good yeah. ones. Yeah, I could have easily used that on a player that would stay. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I digress. I think Sam Merrill is a good signing overall um, for what he could be. This team needs volume shooting. Hopefully – uh, JB doesn't give him the short leash that he's given most of our uh, willing shooters off the <clears> bench. <throat> yeah. <laughs> My Lord and Savior, Jetty uh, Christ. <laughs> but, uh, you know, at the end of the day, can't be upset. I, I, I maybe would have wanted another big to shore up insurance, but at the end of the day, like, that's what you, all you can ask for. <laughs> I had to highlight that one. This was the <laughs> answer claw slander. Dr. Claw, you've been slandering Jetty. What's going on, man? I thought you were one of the good ones, Dr. Claw. <laughs> I guess I was wrong. <laughs> we all do. I, I mean, this 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 is not something in a performance against Charlotte. You can't just say automatically, hey, this is the Jetty that uh that should be out there because the case is that we just don't know what you're going to get from him on a night to night basis. We all know that. So no harm, no foul, Dr. Claw. Uh, just one of those things you want him to be able to replicate a semblance of this type of performance. I mean, nobody's expecting the guy to go out there and knock down six to 10 from range, but a, a, a nice three of seven or, you know, three of six, something like that would do. Yeah, that'd be nice. You know, I feel like it's not a lot to ask for in this day and age where the three-point volume in the league is at an all-time high. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Before we head out here, I just want to ask just to – because when I was putting the content together for that video, came to my attention that you might not share my same sentiment for the Cavs' five most important players despite it coming out on the collective channel. So – with that being the case, I want to give you the floor to suggest your top five. For for those of you who haven't watched the video, please go ahead and check it out. But this is going to be Corey's top five most important Cavaliers as of right now. Not the future, right now. Are we talking about postseason as well? Or? <laughs> no, just, just in this moment in time. Uh, well, Donovan probably is my number one because it feels like – he is our break glass in case offense isn't working. Not even case of emergency. It just seems like, oh, the offense is stalling. Guess who's going to try to go score a season-high amount of points again? Donovan Mitchell. He also is being fairly uh, adequate on defense as well, which is really nice. So we don't have two guards that are shorter than average and get dominated by other opposing guards or headhunted by the opposing team. It's nice to know. Uh, My number two right now is probably still Darius. Honestly, I feel like he is the straw that stirs the drink for this team. Offensively. He is a, he is a very good volume shooter. He has a lot of areas in which he can work with. Um, I think he pairs really well with Donovan. I think he pairs really well by himself. I think he's the best pairing with both of our bigs. I know the numbers look good for Garland and Mitchell with those um, options between the two, but I really do feel as if Darius overall has the best chemistry with everyone on the floor. Um, I would probably put it number three, Mobley, 
because I think Mobley see if you asked me at the beginning of the season, I honestly think Jared Allen would have been my number three because I thought Mobley still had a lot of room to grow. But it seems now that uh, Mobley really is capable of uh, having a higher offensive ceiling and his defensive ceilings at like the top of the league already. I know a uh, friend of the podcast, Tony Pesta was, uh, has been advocating that Brooke Lopez's uh, defensive player of the year is fraudulent. fraudulent. <laughs> Why? Uh, because Evan Mobley by every metric is a better defender. <laughs> it's including ESPN's defensive impact <laughs> ranking where he is leaps and bounds above everyone else. Uh, I think I agree with you that there's a case that Mobley can be the number two most impactful player. But if I'm going off of pure potential, that would probably be the case. Cause obviously I think Darius is much closer to being at the ceiling of what he can be than Mobley is. But uh, for right now, I'd probably put Mobley at three cause he, he can come and go depending on a night to night basis. Obviously that makes Jarrett number four and Jarrett, his absence is felt more than his in-game is, I feel like, because when we lose Jarrett, it kind of shakes up a lot of the defensive schemes that the Cavs can make. I think having the two bigs together really helps shore up any defensive liabilities that are on the court at a given time. It gives JB a lot more to work with. But at the end of the day, you just... uh Jared has to be the number four option. And then number five is very interesting. I, I hate to make our, I have a feeling our top five is like the same in different rankings, but honestly, I agree with you that Karis probably is our fifth most important because he's our bench spark plug. And if we're going to get through a series, then it has to be Karis is going to have to step up at a given night. I mean, I guess my fifth, if I could, I'll switch it up a tiny bit. I'll have the fifth most important play, most important player on the uh, the Cavs is a bench player that steps up in the playoff game overall because it could literally be. That's why I would pick a Karis. bench player, yeah, a bench player showing up in a series night to night, and I feel like it's going to be situational depending on the opponent because I think that's how JB is going to kind of tinker the minutes. Because this bench is like the least locked in bench, I feel like minute wise of any team in the league. Like JB is experimenting all the time with rotations and lineups. So I feel like it could easily be any of the four players we expect to see on a night to night basis. All righty. I'm going to answer this real quick. Well, we both are. But before I do that, um, my top five most important players right now for the Cavs. Number five is Karis LeVert because I feel like Karis LeVert is somebody um, that is going to be needed big time off the bench if everybody is healthy come toe season. Love Isaac Okoro, but Isaac Okoro is clearly a role player at this point. Does that mean that Karis LeVert isn't? No, just Karis LeVert just brings more to the table from an all-around standpoint. So I think you're going to need production from him if you're going to want to be able to succeed. Number four, I think a lot of people are going to disagree with me on this. I put Darius Garland at number four. And the reason why I put Darius Garland at number four, look at Corey's eyeballs. The reason I put... Uh, Darius Garland at number four is because I feel like despite his all-star talent, I feel like the Cavs are much better suited to replicate or replace his production 
on and on any given night than they are from any other position. So I want you to hear me out. <laughs> the Cavs have Donovan Mitchell. He can play make. He can facilitate. He can score. The Cavs have Karis LeVert, who can step in as a spot starter or off the bench, give you that same type of production, not as efficiently, uh, obviously, but he can still give you some of that. Ricky Rubio can step in to a degree and give you some of that. So I feel like if the Cavs are in dire straits, they can and and they need production. Saying Darius Garland, they can fill that void to a degree. They're not one injury away from having to sign a guy like Brandon Goodwin or bringing in uh, Rajon Rondo. It's just that's not how it is this season. So I have him at number four. Number three for me right now, another one that people are probably going to disagree with. That's Evan Mobley. And the reason I have Evan Mobley right there is because I feel like there's still some growth that needs to occur from an offensive standpoint. Um, But it should be said that a guy who is just coming into his own offensively, still averaging upwards of 16 points a night, that's still pretty huge. Um, What he does on the defensive end, I will never take away from. I just feel like at this point in time, the player above him is is just a little bit more important in, in regards to the Cavs success and that is Jared Allen I have Jared Allen listed as the Cavs second most important player at this point in time and that is because as you put his absence is glaring most of the time when the Cavs are playing a good team if he let me put it this way if he's not out there you're going to notice it a hell of a lot more than when he is the Cavs now on the season have a five and four record without without Jarrett, but we all know what the case was last season without him. The Cavs are one injury away. (laughs) The Cavs, I kid you not, if Evan Mobley suffers an injury at this moment in time, we are one injury away from having to start Robin Lopez. (laughs) We it 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 is that dire. So that kind of factors in there too. You can't necessarily replace a Jared Allen the same way you can get that same type of production from a guy like Darius Garland which is why I have him ranked where he's at. And then obviously at number one, you have Donovan Mitchell, just because I feel like one, he has the most experience on this roster in terms of playoffs, um, 39 career games that he brings with him, which is going to be a heavy, heavy crutch that the Cavs can lean on come that time. As you also put, he has a, uh, the Cavs break in case of emergency offense. If you if you're really in dire straits and you need somebody to give a bucket, just give Donovan the ball and get out the way. <laughs> um, just dude can just do everything out there from an offensive standpoint. I do, however, feel like Evan Mobley takes that title in about a season or two. To answer Tune In Sports One's question, I know I just went on a long rant there, Corey. So I'll let you before we get out of here. Who are the Cavs' most important bench players right now in order? I'm probably just going to go four deep. If I'm being honest, Uh, you know, this is tough. I kind of am going back and forth between what I want. I think Karis, I guess, will be my number one. Uh, Then Rubio, number two. Dean Wade, number three. And Jetty Osmond, number four. I think that's... That's there's nothing wrong with that. As at this point in time right now, you know, we we both acknowledge that Karis LeVert is their best reserve. Ricky Rubio is right up there. Uh, Dean Wade, 
a bought-in, confident Dean Wade is somebody who could pay dividends for the Cavs. They really need him to turn it on. They just need some flexibility at those big positions. And I was kind of hoping tonight was going to, because this was like the first action he's seen on the road trip. But he looked the exact same, and his shot just seems super clunky right now. It doesn't look smooth at all. You can tell that shoulder is doing – like, he may have healed from the injury, but I think it, it's affected some of his mechanics to the point where his shot just looks a lot flatter than I feel like it normally does. It really does. And it just <laughs> – I think it looks flatter than Okoro's did when it was going through those shooting spurts. And that dude looked like he could pierce the air with those Okoro's shots. Okoro's strays, man. No, he's not. His mechanics are just bad. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tell that to Dr. Claw. <laughs> yeah, whatever, Dr. Claw. I can see you're a real friend of the pod right now. <laughs> Okoro being the triple zero allegations with that three ball. Oh, no, I would – it's uh, it's all good. We know you don't mean nothing by that, but that's that's the case. Like if the guy does not hit that three ball, Cavs Twitter is going to be all over him, uh, even more so than they already are. Yeah, who needs a quality starting forward that can uh, shut down the team's best option? I don't need one. That'd no, be weird. get him out of here. <laughs> yeah, you know who I'd rather have? I'd rather have Sam Merrill start. <laughs> that's what this team needs. Just Danny Green. Yes. Oh <laughs> man. But, yeah, I hope that answers your question, uh, tune in sports. One, it's got to be at this point in time, Levert, Rubio, some combination of Dean. Or if you want to throw Lamar in there, that's your bag, like Jai Tiller down here does. That's that's understandable considering the, how how greatly improved the Cavs' effort looks when he's on the floor over these past like couple Jetty games. and Lamar will alternate. Yeah. Or Jetty, Lamar, and Wade are all going to alternate. They're all interchangeable, but the, the two constants are Lamar, are uh, Levert and Rubio. Right now, Lamar is a constant, Mac. <laughs> yeah, well, when the Cavs return to full strength, do you still think he will be? I think it depends on if we look flat, because <laughs> <laughs> that's what, when uh, his name gets called. I like Lamar. I want Lamar to succeed. Um, like we said earlier, he... He signed the same deal that Sam Merrill just did, um, and we see how that's worked out for Lamar. He's still here. We talked about uh, we talked about this a little bit before we went live. Um, Lamar could hit a payday, and we'll see if the Cavs want to shell out to to bring him back. And when I say payday, I don't mean like a, a max contract. Yeah, I don't <laughs> sponsored mean sponsored like by that. the dog chain. We sold it <laughs> to pay for your contract. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, we do love Lamar. I just don't know if Lamar's like a playoff rotation type of player right now without a consistent three ball, what the Cavs need. Even his mid-range has kind of been kind of bad lately. So that's been – It wasn't tonight. It was beautiful. No, I know. I, I, but it like we've been saying for the longest time that that mid-range jumper is so efficient. And then I feel like this season as a whole, it's kind of been lost on him. But it's nice to see tonight a semblance of the old classic Penn State Lamar Stevens offensive game. It's kind of the same thing with with Levert from that distance. I mean, traditionally, Levert has been a really good mid-range shooter, at least a f- more efficient uh, mid-range shooter than he has been this season. He's kind of struggled. Lamar's kind of seen that same type of dip. But I'm banking on that just being an anomaly for both of them. And I really hope that's the case. Uh, with that said, before we get out of here, like we always tell you guys, if you like 
to be added to the exclusive It's Cavalier Discord chat. You know what to do. Leave a rating, leave a review, send a screenshot, a set review to itscavalier53 at gmail.com. We'll send you an invite. If you'd like to reach out to us, you can at itscavalier underscore pod on Twitter, TikTok, Instagram, YouTube, and more. That said, go Cavs on Philly. <laughs> Let's take care of business. Go Cavs. <laughs>